Welcome, everybody, to the Kona Shane Veterinary Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Andy Work. Guys, I got my good friend, uh, Jamie Holmes, on the episode. Jamie Holmes is RBT. She's a dear friend of mine. She's the first employee I ever hired. Um, we go back. We go We go way back. We go back like, uh, like popsicles on the porch in the summertime. That's how we go back. Uh, <laughs> all that to say, I've known Jamie a long time. And uh, when I write articles that really speak to her, she often says, hey, can we do a podcast on that article? And I have an article called Measuring Sticks about how we um, how we measure ourselves, how we determine our own worth. And uh, and I, I think a lot of like a lot of us really driven people have a bad habit of choosing measurements that are unattainable. We, we measure ourselves in ways that are not healthy. They're not productive. They make us feel bad. They don't really motivate us in any sort of way that is um, that is sustainable, and uh, and I, I I think that we all should probably take a step back and and just unravel uh, the self talk that we have around what gives us worth and what gives us value and and how do we measure ourselves and how do we measure success and so anyway that's what we get into um I if that sounds of interest uh, you'll, then you'll like this episode but anyway uh, Jamie comes on and uh, and we talk about the article and, and I kind of lay down a lot of thoughts about uh, about that so anyway guys I hope you'll enjoy this episode it always makes me a little uh, self-conscious to get interviewed on my, on my own stuff on my own podcast but um but I don't know I, I these are I write things that I think are interesting and that, that really speak to me and this is something I w- I've been really thinking a lot about and so anyway, I was, I was really excited when Jamie said, hey, I really like that. Maybe we could talk about it. So I hope you'll enjoy the conversation. I think it's a good one. Uh, let's get into it and see what you think. This is your show. We're glad you're here. We want to help you in your veterinary career. Welcome to the Cone of Shame with Dr. Andy Rourke. Welcome to the podcast, Jamie Holmes. Thanks for being here. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me again. I always enjoy having you on the podcast. Uh, for those who do not know you, uh, you and I have worked together forever, it feels like. Uh, feels like. You were employee number one at DrAndyRourke.com. Before and, you. Uh, and before me, exactly. You hired me on at DrAndyRourke.com, and it worked out really well because that was my name, and yeah. it went it went great. You are an RVT. Uh, we were just we were just laughing that you're a you're a rivet and not a livet. Um, so, so true. So true. <laughs> uh, you are the administrative manager for DrAndyWork.com and Uncharted Veterinary Conference. And so that's that's who you are. Um, you babysit my tomato plants I when do. I travel in the summer. Yeah. Um, and sometimes my bad golden doodle skipper. He's not bad. He's misunderstood. He, has, and he loves me so much. He does love you a lot. According to behaviorist Lisa Rodosta, he has low confidence is his problem. I he, love that that's where we're t- how we ended up here. That's so funny because I wanted to talk about this article and I told you I wanted to talk about this article. And I was like, I think I'm going to lead in with talking about Skipper and his confidence issues. His confidence issues. Okay, fine. So, so this, I is have, like, this is perfect. Okay, so I have a I have a golden doodle named Skipper, who is uh just as a side, he's he's not he's not what you would call a good dog. Uh he he lives his truth uh openly and it's not one of obedience and uh and the thrill of making his owner happy. Um but he's his own person and he does have a, a trait that drives me nuts is he'll piddle on the floor when people come over or he gets excited. 
And so I talked to Dr. Lisa Rodosta, who's coming onto the podcast, and and I had her on to talk about, you know, like inner categorization or something. And I did that thing where I was like, hey, while you're here, can I can I ask you about a case? Uh and I, I told her about Skipper and she asked me a bunch of questions about what he does with his ears and how he sort of behaves. And, you know, and and, and the takeaway, I think, from her not, not really sort of getting to see him was she thinks that this is sort of a, a conflict response and that he uh, that he has uh, he has confidence issues. And that's why he meets people in piddles. And so I have been trying to work on my golden doodles confidence. And it is the most ridiculous project I have ever gone on but i don't know if we're ma- i'm just gonna stop and say i do not know if we if we're making progress i every for oh. every for like three or four or five days i'm like we're nailing this and then there's just a setback and i'm just like his confidence is it cannot be saved i don't i don't think if he's just not a confident guy <laughs> well i i love i love this uh for a lot of reasons uh one is that um i don't know if you know this um but my nickname uh, is walnut. I did not um, know this. That is not because I am a tough nut to crack. It is because I have a very tiny bladder, uh, and I maybe roughly the size of a walnut, and so I always need to pee. And like the Do you moment get excited you, and pee. Do you pee when you meet new people? Um, I need to pee when I meet new people. Okay. I have okay. better bladder control than Skipper does. Um, but that doesn't make me a better person. But you have more I confidence, just, I think. I have more lived experience than Skipper does. Okay. Um, but I definitely like the moment someone is like, your flight is going to board in 15 minutes. I'm like, I got to pee. And then they're like, the flight is now boarding. I'm like, I have to pee again. Yeah, like, yeah, it's that. just it's just how it is. And okay. so uh, I have a lot of empathy for his situation. But it made me think about like about confidence and like what. I can think about times when I'm really confident, but that made me go, well, when am I really insecure? And so I was thinking about that. And so I wanted to start with the deep question. So Andy Rourke, tell me what makes you feel insecure. Oh boy. Um, What does make me feel insecure? I, let's see. I I think, um, I mean, any, any time that I feel like I'm not going to live up to the expectation that people have of me, I, I, I get insecure, right? Any time that people are like, I, I feel like people expect something from me that I'm not going to be able to do. I'm much more worried about letting people down than I am not being able to do the thing, whatever the thing is. Mm-hmm. And so I, I am definitely insecure about that and singing. I can't carry a tune in a bucket and I'm very insecure about singing. Uh, but I, but okay. I enjoy it when nobody's around. But those uh, are my two things: when I, uh, singing and when people feel like they have expectations of me that I'm that I'm don't think that I'm going to be able to meet. Yeah. So I uh, I get a, a huge gift out of working with you, which is I get to read the articles before anybody else does. And so I was really excited when I read this Measuring Sticks article, which went out in today's Veterinary Business, um, and. It's about how we use all of these, especially in the veterinary uh, profession, you know, all of these things from the outside to judge our self-worth and our Mm -hmm. confidence. And we talk about, uh, you talk about the SATs and your test scores and how you, um, and how people continue to like look for that test to take or that 
new accreditation to get. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was thinking about, about that with this. And I love that you are like, yes, I'm in it. I also get insecure when I think I'm not going to live up to the thing that other people want. And in this article, you're talking about how like, it's, it's an internal thing. It's not, it's not the things we get from other people. So I love it that you're all like, yes, I also do this thing. Well, I, I absolutely, I mean, I absolutely do, do this. So it's, it's comparison, right? It's, it's, it's the, it's the flip side to comparison yourself to comparing yourself to other people. And so one of my favorite sayings is comparison is a thief of joy. And I see so many people who are so wildly unhappy because they compare themselves to other people. And I think this is the worst thing about social media. And I think there's a lot of worse things about social media, but this is probably the worst thing about social media is a lot of social media is geared up about getting us to compare ourselves to other people. Mm-hmm. And, and we look, and I don't think people intentionally mean this to happen, but I think we all know it happens at some level. But it, like people sort of post and, and I can't help but look and say, man, their vacation looks better than my vacation. Or boy, they do a lot of things with their kids more than I do. And oh man, I wish I could have gotten free from work to go to the Christmas event at my kid's school. And wow, look at the fun Saturday they're having with their dog. I haven't gotten to do anything. You know, I don't have, I barely have time to take my dog out and walk him, much less spend half the day at the dog park and then go to a cookout. Like I didn't, it's just, there's, there's so much of that, but the counterpart to that, which I think is much more common is the comparison of ourself to some metric that may not be another person. Yeah. It's some, some belief of what we should be doing or what, what success should be. And so, you know, I, I've, I've talked about Skipper before uh, when I, when I talk about, you know, what it means to have a bad dog. And the truth is I say that, I say that jokingly. The truth is if you compare Skipper to, I don't know, Lassie, or you say, boy, a good dog comes immediately when they're called and they're always right beside you and they don't pull on the leash and they would never steal food off the table and they don't piddle on the floor when people come over, then Skipper is not a good dog. But if you reset that measuring stick and you say, I like to have a, f- I want a fun dog. I want a dog that's always up for adventures and likes to play and squeaks his toys and runs around and is big and goofy and just genuinely funny and happy to be here, then he is a good dog. But it's the measuring stick that you set of like, what does it mean to be a good dog? And so that that's the, the basic idea with this. But um, I, I started I started writing this thing because I started looking around it, and it was a this kind of week that came and went, and I just had all these people around me who were just struggling. And like one of them was a vet who was struggling because she didn't think she was a real vet because she only worked one day a week in the clinic, and that was really bothering her. And there was another vet that was really hacked off because uh, friends from high school were messaging her and asking for advice. And she felt like she absolutely had to answer them uh, in that moment at dinner. And she was just mad. Like I, this is, and you know, and I asked her, why do you do this? And she's like, well, you know, because I'm, that's what I do. You know, that's, that's what it means. Basically that's what it means to be a good vet is you drop what you're doing and you help people who reach out to you. And I'm like, if that's exactly how you define being good vet, then you're selecting this measurement, uh, this measuring tool. I don't believe that dropping what you're doing in the middle of dinner to ask pet health questions from people in high school is what it means to be a good vet. I don't buy that. 
But that's that's a conscious rejection of that ruler for what it means to be a good vet. And so I mean, the same thing is, you know, people struggling with their confidence because they were not in the top half of their vet school class. And it's like, I'm yeah. sorry, at what time at what at what time did we all come together and say, hey, you know what constitutes being a good vet? The GPA you graduate with. I wasn't at that meeting. And if I was, I would not have voted for that because I was not in the top half of my vet school class. And I don't think that that defines me as a subpar veterinarian in practice. I just don't believe it. Hey guys, I just want to jump in real quick and let you know about some great continuing education I have coming your way. Guys, I've partnered with Nationwide to put together a series of webinars that are 100% free to you. They have race CE, they are good to go, and they are going to be, first of all, just genuinely entertaining and fascinating. The first thing I got coming for you is on November the 14th with my good friend, Dr. Emily Tincher. She's been on the podcast a number of times. I love having her here. She is uh, she is such a fun, interesting person who's a deep thinker. And so anyway, she is doing uh, a webinar called Clinical Empathy, the exam room skill that can transform your team. And this is, I've had Emily on the podcast before talking about clinical empathy. This is a really good skill building uh, webinar. This is great for uh, for your support staff as well as your doctors, but your team leads especially, but uh, your technicians, your assistants, your CSRs, all of this is just, is such a great communication content. I, th- I think you're going to really like it. So anyway, that is on November the 14th. It is at 3 p.m. Eastern noon Pacific. And then the last one in the series is on December 13th. It is with Dr. Simon Platt. It is called Head Cases, a Spectrum of Care Approach to Neurology in General Practice. So if you're a neurology buff, uh, if you like if you like seizures, not, not like if you like knowing about seizures, if you like uh, neurophysical exam tips, tricks and hacks, things like that, uh, this is going to be a great webinar. So again, this is on December 13th. It's at 1 p.m. Eastern. That's 10 a.m. Pacific time. Gang, I would love to see you there. Links to all this stuff in the show notes. Go ahead and grab a spot. I'll see you there. Let's get back into this episode. Yeah, I I think that that's very true. And I think we continue to use some of those um, weird metrics. Um, and they made sense when we were using them. Um, one of the things my dad said this to me the other day, um, my dad is um, 81 and I love him very much. Uh, and he was having an old man moment, um, which he readily, he readily admitted. And he was like, did you know that those people can't write in cursive? And I was like, who cares? Like, what? Like, that's not a match. Like, yeah. that doesn't make them a bad person. Like, why would they need to write in cursive? And he's like, well, we had to write in cursive. And I'm like, dad, people used to hit you with a ruler because you were dyslexic. And he's like, yeah, okay. Okay, old man moment. But yeah. it was funny because he pulled this like random metric that doesn't matter today. Um, and I know there are people out there um, who believe that like there's a big cursive argument of whether we should be yeah. teaching it or not. Uh, and I understand like how it helps your brain. I get that part. But like, is it going to help you be a better person later in life? Probably not. Like you probably right. don't. It's the same thing as like your clients aren't asking you, hey, what was your GPA when you graduated? Like yeah. they they care more about your empathy and your um, whether or not you bond with their pet and whether or not you think that Fluffy is actually cute. Um, yeah. So, and, Doctor, can you write in cursive? Yes, exactly. You know, I'm going to need to see someone else. Yeah, 
Exactly. But uh, you know, I, I love that. And so I was thinking about how funny it is that we do pick these things and, and we measure ourselves. Um, and mine uh, used to be, I judged myself on the number of CE hours that I had. Um, oh, wow. And, and I, um, you'll be shocked to know, always had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of CE. You, and really, like, you had hundreds of hours of CE? Hundreds of hours. I, because, I do this for a living and I don't have hundreds of hours. Yes, of I know. Uh, but I was like, I would, I would go home and I would take every CE thing that was in every magazine. I would do every free CE that came from any of our, uh, you know, from, from IDAX or from the food yeah. company, whoever it was, I would take all of that CE. Cause I was just like, the more that I can show that I know, the more people will value my contribution, which was yeah. never true. Yeah. Because no nobody else ever saw you. that. No yeah, one no. asked you how much CE you had. No, no they one. Said, Do you have enough? And you said yes. And they were like, okay. Yeah. And that was Great. that. Yeah. That was the end of the story. And, and I, but I held myself to that, to that expectation. And then as I um, went farther out of practice um, and started using my skills differently, I started doing less CE and I didn't abandon it entirely. I still more than meet my, uh, my needs, but I, I looked at it differently. And if I was still holding myself to that same thing, like, I don't know that I could do that anymore. Like my brain is older. Uh, I have, uh, less energy. I, I used to, you know, I don't, I don't know about you, but I used to be able to study all night and, uh, and work all day. And my brain doesn't do that anymore. Yeah. So I, I love that we're talking about how to find different metrics and, um, and I think self-worth is one of those. And I think that that's something um, we've talked about before, how um, imposter syndrome and our colleagues just, they don't necessarily have the self-worth. Um, and I love um, that I have people, um, you know, people on our team that I can turn to and be like, hey, can you hold this mirror up for a second? Because I can't see myself well right now. And they can help me with that self-worth. Um, and I was wondering if you had thoughts about how we help our colleagues find a different stick. Like you had yeah. some great ideas about things to use, but like, how do we shift this for, for the community? Well, I, I think, I think a lot of it is, I think we all struggle to see ourselves. You know what I mean? I think we all struggle to see ourselves. I think we all think at some level, I think we all kind of wonder if we're a good doctor or we wonder if we're a good technician or we, you know, whatever. Yeah. Are, are we a good communicator? Are we a good boss? I was just, uh, I did a podcast just with uh, recently with Nat, uh, Dr. Natalie Marks and, and she was talking about perfectionism and being a practice owner. It was just fascinating to listen to her talk about this. And, you know, she sort of told the story of having this sort of realization that perfectionism is a manifestation of fear. And, and that it was detrimental in, in what she was trying to accomplish. And, and uh, towards the end of the episode, I asked her, how did you come to this realization? Because we were talking sort of about the truth of the situation and kind of how to manage that if you have perfectionistic tendencies. But I, I yeah. was just kind of, I was struck, like, how did you, how did you come to realize this? And she told this great story about being a practice owner and really wanting to be a great boss and then doing 360 degree feedback because that was what you were supposed to do. And she just got hit by a brick when someone Man. was like, you're super intimidating. 
And, you know, and it was absolutely, it absolutely sort of, sort of hammered her um, and, and made her, made her sort of stop and step back. And so I, I think we all, we all kind of, kind of wrestle with that. I think one, one other piece of this that I want to tie into this before I start talking about kind of what we can do about it. But this yeah. is, again, it feels like a related thing is, man, there's so many veterinarians or, or vet, vet techs looking at, at things that they want to do or, or whoever um, that, that are just waiting for permission. It's this idea that like they need someone to tell them that they can have what they want or they can do what they want or they don't have to care about this thing. Yeah. Like it's, it's amazing. It's it almost like it takes someone to say to them, Hey, I don't think, you know, I, I, I saw the Google review that you got where someone wrote a one star review of you as a doctor because they called you at the clinic and it was your day off. Mm-hmm. Like I see that and I want you to know that's ridiculous and that's not your fault and you should ignore that. And it seems it seems absurd that someone have to give you permission to look at this obviously flawed thing and say, that's not representative of who you are. But I think a lot of us really want to hear that from someone else. And so I, I think I think one of the things that we can do for each other as colleagues is to point out what really matters to each other and just, you know, just say, hey, I saw the impact you had on that person. And that was amazing. And hey, I want you to know you're a good friend and a good doctor. And hey, I always appreciate your insight and you're a great mentor. And, and that that means a lot. And I think that people get so sucked up into into other metrics that are communicated to them, they they often forget about that stuff. But we, we can point that out to each other. I think I think the biggest thing for me in choosing the the, the measuring sticks that matter is just being aware of the measuring sticks. Mm-hmm. And I think I think my my greatest hope with sort of writing the article and, and now with talking to you about this is that people will just stop for just a minute and say, what measuring sticks am I measuring success with? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, again, I have chosen so badly so many times in my life, you know, and just the process of stopping and evaluating, like, wait a second, how am I measuring myself here? I mean, I used to beat myself up. Um because of the number of hours that I worked or didn't work in the practice. And Mm -hmm. I would beat myself up as a parent for the number of hours I spent with my kids. And at some point I had to stop and say, well, wait a second, Andy, is hours in close proximity to your children? Is that the measurement that we're going to use here? Because I don't know that that's the best actual measurement of what we're trying to accomplish. And the same thing the clinic is like, is me just physically being here? Does that actually mean anything? I mean, we're not talking yeah. about the number of patients I see. That's just me being at the building. And I feel guilty if I'm not at the building. And I go, this doesn't make any sense. And so I just think, I think so many of us don't, we don't even question the, yeah. the measurements, you know, or yeah. other, other people put them on us. So you get called in for your performance review and the manager is like, Hey, this is the number of pets that you saw in the last quarter. And this is your average client transaction. And from those two numbers, I'm going to tell you if you're a good doctor or not. And I'm like, no, you're not. No, you're not. You can tell me uh, how many patients I saw and you can tell me what my average client transaction was, but I'm sorry. That's not a two metric equation that makes a good doctor. Um, I'm not saying those things are without value, 
or we should ignore them. But I do not, I don't buy the idea that I'm going to be summed up by those two metrics. Are you going to give me those two metrics and say, this is really what matters because I'm sorry. I have my own beliefs about what measurements it takes to be a good doctor. And they're around, they're around compassion. They're around empathy. They're around taking time to listen. It's understanding other people. It's being honest and acting with integrity. It's being patient and kind. It's, you know, it's, it's all of those sorts of things. It's continuing to learn. It's being a better doctor than I was a year ago. All of those things are, are measuring sticks that I'm interested in. Um, I'm not saying anyone is worth any more than the others, but you just have to be really careful, especially if we get into this mindset of the only thing that matters is how many hours I spend at the practice, how much money I make in a quarter, you know, things like that. You know, man, you're summing way too much up into this one ruler. It's not that good a ruler. It's just not. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I, uh, I wanted to shout both preach and say it one more time for the people <laughs> in the back, because I... I hear so many people in the community talking about how they're not good at this thing. Um, you know, we, we have a really good friend um, who's a very good manager and they are in a circumstance where uh, there's a, a, a new gig in town and a whole bunch of people left that practice. Oh, brutal. Uh, I, yeah. And, and she's like, I'm a bad manager. And it's like, that isn't why people are leaving. Like they, they are leaving because there are uh, different hours. They're leaving because of all of these other things. And you, like, you can't judge yourself on that one, on that one thing. Like there are, there are, 10 other things that I know about you and I know about the people who work with you and your compassion and your care for the animals and for the people that work for you um, and what you do for our community as a whole. And again, like when you're in it, it's real hard to stop and say, what, what is my measuring stick? What am I, what's my measurement of um, of success and knowing that people look at it differently. And there are, there are things that we can change about how we talk to ourselves. And I think that that would be my challenge to, to our community is to say, Hey, when you hear people say, I'm, I'm not, I'm not good at this, or I don't measure up in this way. Um, or I'm not, I'm not good enough. I, I challenge you to do what um, I like to do, which is to say, don't talk about my friend like that. Um, and I, I learned that because I had a really bad self-talk. I continue to have a bad self-talk. Uh, and so I learned to ask myself the question of, would I say that to a friend? And if I wouldn't say it to a friend, then I, I don't get to say it to me. Yeah. Um yeah. I like that a lot. I, I took that from you and I use that a lot when somebody will be down on themselves and say, God, I'm just, I'm, I am, I am the worst. I, I'm such an idiot. I will say, Hey, don't say that about my friend. Um, and I, I learned that from you. And so I, I really do like that as sort of cut, catching some self-talk. You know, one of, one of the other things sort of going back to our person who's, who's, you know, feeling terrible because people are leaving their practice to go work at a new place that's opening up is, 
it's one of those things about picking your rulers again, going back to like, how are you going to measure yourself? I think we should all be really conscious and cognizant of uh, the idea that we should not be picking ways to measure ourselves that are out of our control. And yeah. I see that all the time. Yeah. You don't get to control pet owners. Yeah, I myself would define, I would say, oh, I'm a good vet because I get good Google reviews. And I'm like, buddy, Andy, you're you're putting your self-worth into the hands of other people and you don't have yeah. the power to make those people happy. There, you know, there are going to be people who are just not going to like you and there's nothing you can do about it. And it's, you know, putting, giving them the power to tell you whether or not you're successful. I think that's a bad, it's a bad idea. I think if you're a manager and you set this bar at like, no, I'm going to have a hundred percent retention rate. No one's going to leave my practice. I would say, you don't have the power to keep these people at your practice. You don't control what other practices can pay. You don't control what other opportunities come along. You don't understand. You don't control where other practices open up. Maybe they're much more convenient yeah. to get to. You don't. You can't control if people are just tired and want to change the scenery. You don't have control over any of those things. And so, using that metric of retaining other people as the definer of whether or not you're successful, I go. I think that that's a bad, I think it's a bad measurement. I, I think that's kind of where I'd probably leave this and sort of sum it, sum it up is my, my biggest thing on, on choosing the measurements that we use for ourselves is one, just to stop and recognize that you're doing it. Recognizing, just stop and say, how am I measuring myself here? I feel like I'm failing. What metrics am I using to come to that result? And what are alternative metrics that might be better? And I, I think it's um I think it's a hundred percent on that. And the other part is to stop and say, what metrics are in my control? Am I picking things that I really do not have control over? And if you are, I think you should really rethink those measurements. I think you should go back to, you know, to the things that you actually that you actually have input on. And so you should decide what it means to be a good parent or a good spouse. Not based on what other people think about your relationship, but what mm -hmm. you and your partner think on your relationship uh, or your, you and your kids, you know, find meaning in and what you're going to look back on and be proud of. But it shouldn't be, hey, this is what Facebook says parents should do. Like, forget that. That's noise. But anyway, that that's sort of that, that's sort of my thing with the with the rulers that we choose for ourselves. I just it's funny. Um, and a lot of us have this ability to cycle through rulers where we measure ourselves this way and we measure ourselves that way and we measure ourselves this way. And none of the ways we choose to measure ourselves are kind. And I just think that that's, that's sad and that's silly. And so I, you know, um, it's something that I, I definitely picked up in my life is um, uh, my younger self always chose harsh measurements. And I told myself yeah. I was, I told myself that was the right thing to do because it was motivating. It was always motivating. And then, but at some point, I don't need to be motivated like that anymore. You know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm doing my best. I'm happy with the work that I'm doing and how I'm doing it. I want to, I want an honest measurement, not a measurement that's going to motivate me or terrify me or make, or make me feel guilty so that I work harder or, or do things that, um, I don't know, that I wouldn't otherwise do. Yeah. I think that's a perfect, uh, a perfect place to end. And I'd like to invite you to come back and talk with me hey. uh, about the art of kindness in an imperfect world. 
Oh yeah. Oh, that was funny. Yeah, the art of kindness article is uh, is a fun. One. It, it dovetails into this. I, you know, I I'll tell so. you other other. I the thing I I want to talk to you about as well. Um, there's I I think I'm I'm writing this piece right now, um, based on what our friend Maria Parita says uh, said to me recently. Is it where, who's laughing now? No, it was not. Oh, dang it. That's a good story. She does say who's laughing now. And that is a great story. I'll tell that story at some point. But um, she was basically, we were talking about mindsets and her mindset is just, it doesn't seem that hard. That that doesn't seem that hard. And so when you say something to Maria, like, oh man, we got to do this surgery. And she's like, like, how hard can it be? That's That was the wording. How hard can it be? And I just thought (laughs) it's the best mindset you can possibly have. How hard can it be? And uh, I've gotten myself into a lot of trouble with how hard can it be, but I've also had the best experiences of my life. I've also yeah. learned more than anything else. I have also just had the most fun and I have also grown as a person when I have uh, thought to myself, how hard can it be? And then, I, and then I weighed in. So anyway, I think we'll talk about that in the future. I can't wait to read that article. Thanks for having me. Thanks guys. And that's it. That's our episode, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, thanks to Jamie for coming on. Thanks to Jamie for making the episode happen. Because if she hadn't, um, if she hadn't said, "I really like the article," and I want, to, I, I'd like to talk to you about it on the podcast. I, I don't think I wrote a, I don't think I wrote a flipped on the microphone. So anyway, thanks to her for that, guys. If you enjoy the podcast, uh, you know it always means the world to me when people leave us an honest review. It's, it's how people find us. It's, um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it gives me some feedback on, on the work that we're doing. And I, I just, it means a lot. So anyway, if, uh, if you have a moment and you enjoy the podcast, uh, please leave me an honest review, an honest review, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, and, or share the episodes with your friends. So anyway, guys, that's all I got. Take care of yourselves. Be well. I'll talk to you later on.